God's timing is perfect. It is no coincidence that we talk about service on Mother's Day. We pick back up at the 12th verse of John, the 13th chapter. Jesus asks the question, do you understand what I have done for you? Mother's Day is one of those days when we try to express our appreciation and understanding for the sacrifices our mothers have made. Yet, one in six Americans has not given a gift to his or her mother in the past year. And that's a statistic I just pulled this week. One in six Americans hasn't given a gift to his or her mother in the past year. I wonder if it, the same could be said for Christians. That one in six Christians haven't lifted a towel in service to another in the past year. The section we read today is coming off of last week we read how Jesus washed each of his disciples' feet. Peter protested, said, hey, Lord, no, no, no. This is a menial task. This was shocking that the one that they would call the Christ, the Messiah, would humble himself to the point that he would wash their feet. And now he tags it in with verse 12 where he asks them, do you really understand? Because as shocking as it was that the disciples would have their feet washed by the Messiah, he connects this cleansing with the crucifixion. Because that will be even more shocking that the Savior of the world would give himself up and die on the cross like a murderer or common thief. If you have your Bibles, please join with me on the 13th chapter, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father, as we look at a familiar passage that we know of the foot washing and we know that we're to serve and we know that sometimes on a Monday, Thursday service, we are guilted into helping others. But Lord, you set an example you gave yourself for us, and you say, follow my example. Help us today as we reflect on being called to serve, to look at our own lives and how we might be able to increase what we do for you. And if we truly have placed our faith in you, that our lives should be serving you in all that we do. Bless this time we have. 
Speak to our hearts, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. First point I would like us to consider is follow the example. Follow his example. Jesus asked the question, do you understand what I have done? Why I did this? He said, you call me teacher and Lord. If you want a different translations, it might have something like rabbi and master, doctor and owner, if you will. In today's vernacular, it might be professor and CEO. And don't miss the end of that verse. He says, and rightly so. You call me this, and that's the title I am now saying to you. You're right. You got it. That's what I am. Those two Greek words that most of you have heard, kurios, at some point, that's the word we get Lord for. The first one is the word where we get didactic teaching from or teaching. It is a word for teacher. It is, and I'll have to mispronounce my Greek. My Greek professor always said, as long as you're consistent with your mispronunciation, the congregation will think that's correct. You know, you know if you're there a long time, it's diadaskolos, word for teaching or teacher. We call him that today. We say, Lord, very, we say it in our prayers, Lord, do this for me. But I remember another gospel, Luke 6, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? Follow my example. Follow his example. Follow the example of Christ. How many of you learned to cook from your mothers? Yep. I learned a little bit in Boy Scouts. You, you show up and put the egg on the frying pan before you ever put anything else in there, you're not going to eat, eat that egg. Didn't wash my mother on that one yet. But some of you learned to sew. Some of you learned to clean. Some of you learned how to entertain, how to be hospitable. Some of you learned to never sit down because mama always is working. Whether it's a job outside the house or the job inside the house or whether it's taking you somewhere or cleaning up behind you, you learned how to be busy because of mom. And the beauty of all that teaching is if you don't put it into practice, you never see the blossom. You never see the flower of what she taught you to do. I wonder, have you ever been deep into a project? I've been deep into a recipe before because I, I do like to cook. You can't, you know, never trust a skinny cook. Uh, and I have to call my mom and say, do you do this or do you put this in it? And then she'd be able to explain it to me. And then you can see when it comes out of the oven, or maybe it's you sewing something, or maybe it's you doing something with your children and, and asking for instruction. And when you, if your mom was able to give you that, when you see it all come together, like they would say on the A-team, when it all, I love it when a plan comes together. When you see that, you see the beauty of her instruction in your life. Most of us have gone to Sunday school in our lives at one time or another. Some of you went this morning. Half of you or more did not. Do your toes hurt? I'll step on my own. I usually sit in my office trying to get a little bit more on the ball than I have every other day to present, but I can still be in a class as well. We've been in Sunday school. We've been in vacation Bible school. If you haven't signed up to help, and now's the opportunity to do that as well. If you're an old Baptist, you went to training union. Yeah, Sunday night. That's only had three channels and Disney was on on Sunday night and I didn't ever get to see it. You went to Bible study after Bible study. 
all types of training, how to witness, how to share, how to be engaged, how to follow the example of Christ. Yet often we leave, leave those spiritual recipes in our biblical cookbooks and never get applied. I say that because I moved my mother here. With all the books that my sister has, I bet my mom has a dozen or more cookbooks, right? I know my wife, I, okay, I'll say, we, I, I don't want to get her mad at me. I've already got my mom mad at me by saying that. But how many of you got cookbooks and you've never pulled out the first recipe? Well, I like to collect cookbooks. Well, until you do something with what's inside of it, you haven't seen the beauty of what you can do. To that end, hear, with, hear me. In the coming weeks, you'll hear more about our church's search for a pastor of discipleship, one who will work with the entire church to help us grow deeper. This is a part-time position. We'll be talking about it more to come. A part-time position that someone will help us grow deeper in our faith and then apply that knowledge to following Christ. An example of service, of love, and to live out the gospel. We are called to follow the example of Jesus. Did your mother ever bake bread? Yeah? Oh, it must have been really good. That's the way you responded. <laughs> Did your mom ever make hot rolls or something like that? Oh, man, yeah. You get fat just thinking about it. My mom, though, in a different generation, didn't you, you told me your mom made some kind of roll every day. Man, that, that's dedication, but there's also like a million kids in the house too, and you couldn't go to the grocery store and buy it for five cents or whatever in those days. How many of you got bread makers at your house? And I don't mean your mom or your wife. You, know, you got one of them little, yeah. Do you like it? You love it. Let me tell you this story because it, it, it will connect. And I don't know what brand yours is. I'm sure it's probably some exotic brand I haven't heard of. But in 1985, Panasonic got the idea to make the first bread maker. And I don't even know what's in a bread maker. I just think it's an oven, right? I, I, do you pour stuff in it and it does it all that? And, okay. Every time, you know, in their prototypes, it would make bread, but the crust was either burnt or it was too hard. It just wasn't good bread. So one of the designers said, the best bread I've ever had, and this is all translated, obviously. It's in Japan. Um, one of the best places I've ever had bread was at the Osaka International Hotel. So the software designer and computer designer that were helping them build this piece of electronics for Panasonic, they went and asked, could we stand beside your master baker as they make bread? Or as he makes bread. And they said, sure, watch him. So, I mean, they had even x-rayed the bread before they went this place. I mean, they'd done everything, formularies, you know, all this. So they watched this guy making bread, and that's called kneading, right? Yeah. I need bread. I mean, I need bread. But kneading as, it, you know, working it out and rolling it and hammering and slapping and taking the rolling pin, doing all that. And they watched him, and he took it after he'd done all that and then twisted it. Made it like a pretzel. Then he'd knead it some more. Then he would twist it again. And they came back and decided by that twisting feature, they would add that into their machine. I don't know if yours twists or if it does what. That was their number one seller the next year was bread makers for Panasonic. And the x-ray did not help. 
It was the idea of watching the master's hands at work, following the example of the best baker they can find. Some things you can't understand through an x-ray. You need to look firsthand with the example by hand, human hand. So Jesus says, follow my example. And you'll find as we look at this final point, there is a twist in his understanding of humility. Most of us would never put those two words together. Blessings of humility. Verse 17, Jesus says, If you do these things, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Blessings of humility. I think that's a foreign concept in our culture. Seldom do we seek to be the sporting team's manager, to wash the socks and jocks, and pick up the dirty towels. We all want to be the all-star that scores the winning run, the winning touchdown, makes the last point at the net or whatever. And we want to be offered the million-dollar contracts. No one wants to be in the humble position of servant. Jesus says there is blessing. And I use the word as I thought about this. There is redemption. In humility. Redemption in service. What is the definition of blessing? Goodness, happiness, something done well for you. There's nothing better than you'll ever receive is the redemption that comes through the blood of Jesus. And he's telling us, if you do these things, you will be blessed. In fact, he reminds us that a servant is never greater than the master. Greek word there is doulos. Those of you who are old military people know doulies are the freshmen at the academies. Usually they mean slave. No slave is greater than his or her master. And the messenger is never greater than the one who sent them. Well, when I look at that word, and I, I do pull up to, Dan would know, I pull up the interlinear usually. I do have a Greek Bible, but it's a little helpful to have the translation below, and I can sound out the word and look up the different parts of it. But that word is only used once in John. It's used multiple times in Luke. It's used once in Matthew, and then you'll see it throughout the epistles. The word is apostolos, or apostle. That is a messenger. The one who comes with the message from the one who sent him. And I think it's crazy that we in our church life, in church history, have elevated the position of apostle to be on the same plane as the one who sent the message. Think about that. I mean, I'm not trying to get you to look down your noses at the apostles that are mentioned in the Bible. But we do have people in our society today and in our church lives today that think because they are in the service of the king, they are to be elevated above others. Yesterday during the workday, uh, we were joking in the back, those of us who were former military, drinking coffee while others were working. Um, I said to one of the men drinking coffee, I said, you know, I just heard in the, on the news this week that the IRS has raised the tax and excluded evangelists, pastors, and ministers from getting out of tax on their private jets. 
So there goes my plans for a jet for First Baptist Church of Lotus. But we laugh at that, but the frequency of Christians who are doing service projects outside of the church is abysmal. I mean, it is, it is like non-existent. We had a work day yesterday, and thank you for those who came and did that. But Jesus would say, don't work on your own house, work on outside somebody else's house. And those of you who weren't here yesterday, that's your task. Go work on somebody else's house this week. I shared a few years ago an illustration that I had found of a church in Ohio that one of the things they did for outreach to just share the gospel, to share the goodness that comes from knowing Jesus, not to try to get people necessarily to be a part of their congregation, just to show, hey, we're different. They went to the closest gas station from their home and cleaned that gas station's bathroom. That is the same level of, oh, I was expecting, because that's what the disciples thought when Jesus washed their feet. Oh. 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 That church also, uh, I, I was looking at it again. One of the things they'd done is they'd painted uh, the hallway of an uh, inner city school that needed to have some, you know, make it fresh again. You know, you put new paint on the walls, it looks like it's new again. And I got thinking of other ideas, uh, because even one of our own church members, I don't know, is Dory here today? Dory's not here? Oh, I didn't see you back there, Dory. Thank you. Dory asked me one time when I went out to visit her where she's living, she said it'd be great if you had church members who would want to take one of the residents shopping. I mean, could you imagine that? If you cannot drive anymore... You can't go shopping for a Mother's Day gift unless somebody takes you or you're really proficient on, you know, Amazon or whatever. But what a wonderful gift of service and humility it would be for one of us to say, Dory, who do you know out there that needs to be taken to Kohl's or Old Navy or the grocery store? And I'll take them. How about buying gas for somebody else? How many times have you ever showed up and you see somebody clicking it off at $5? I mean, $5 isn't what, a gallon and a half these days? But you know that's all they had or they couldn't afford to do more. Maybe just say, you know what, I got you gas. Or if you're, if you're financially solvent where you can say, fill it up, I can handle that. And just let them go. Not, oh, now you need to come to First Baptist Church of Holotus because I've done that for you. You just missed the idea of the blessings of humility. How about taking a meal to a neighbor? I don't mean necessarily a church member. I mean a neighbor. You might have known somebody in your neighborhood that has been whatever. A death in the family. They've been sick. Maybe they've just looked like they could use a meal and a friend, somebody to talk to. Do something like that. Or maybe driving through your neighborhood instead of complaining about the neighbor who has trash in their yard. Pick it up. Ask, can I mow your yard? Can I pick up the the branches and help you because my Savior says we are to follow his example. One of our deacons suggested recently that we could take some of our church money that's in excess, that's not budgeted for something, hasn't already been given away to missions, that we could pay medical bills. Churches that you've seen do that in the news often get the medical re bills reduced to such a small amount, it says it's millions of dollars, but in fact, it may have only cost them thousands to pay down those millions of debt because the, the companies want to zero out their books. 
What can we do for service? And by doing so, Christ will be honored. Rick Warren shared, those of you who know Rick Warren, he's recently retired from Saddleback Church. He's about three years ahead of me at Southwestern Seminary. I know I could have been Rick Warren if I just went with him. He went, <laughs> left, literally left Fort Worth and planted a church, this largest Southern Baptist church in uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Um, but he said at one time, uh, Dan Cathy, the current CEO of Chick-fil-A, had come to him and, you know, brought him to where they were building a Chick-fil-A near Saddleback Church. And I, they toured that construction site and looking around. I'm sure that'd be pretty neat. To, I mean, I just think that's cool, walking around the CEO of Chick-fil-A. Hey, man, what do you eat at home? Chick-fil-A. You know, it just you got any Chick-fil-A sauce in your pocket? Yeah, you bet. But he said after doing that, they both decided they were hungry, and the closest place to get a quick bite before they went back to wherever their next thing was Taco Bell. He said they went into Taco Bell, and this is Rick Warren telling the story. So, you know, preacher story, but Rick Warren's telling it, so I'm going I'm to take it as truth. He said they went into the restroom, and they washed their hands because they'd been out on this construction site before they ate Taco Bell. And he said, I washed my hands first. I'm waiting for Dan to get done. Dan gets done washing his hands. He grabs extra towels, starts wiping down on the countertop, wipes the sink out, wipes the handles off, and then puts the dirty towel into the trash. And he goes, Rick said, wow, that's pretty cool. And Dan turned to him and says, that's what we teach all of our employees to do. That when they're finished, they clean it up, make it better for the next person. And he said, and I practice it wherever I go. And his, his tongue-in-cheek was, I wonder if the CEO of Taco Bell knew that the CEO of Chick-fil-A was actually cleaning his bathroom. No one would know that he had done that if Pastor Warren hadn't been in there. But the people who came in after him would appreciate what had been done for them. Because it was done out of humility and out of service, and out of love. No one needs to know those things we're suggesting. No one needs to say, you know, honor me because I did this. No, we're not saying that. Those coming, those receiving will be the ones who benefit, and they will notice, they will know, and they will see who we are by our love. Mothers don't wash clothes. They don't cook they don't clean. They don't go to work. They don't do all that to be noticed. They do it because they care. They serve, and they are blessed by their actions. It is a blessing to serve, and we are called to serve. Would you stand with me, please? I have time of invitation. Lord, many times we have been called to serve, and we quickly dodged and hid and went away from that call. But today Christ is telling us, you'll be blessed. You'll feel love by sharing love. Oh, not always. I know that, Lord. But challenge each one of us here to get outside of our comfort zone of cleaning our own house, helping those that are close to us, and help someone outside of our small family circles outside of our church circle, outside of even Holotus, help us to continue to be mindful of those in this community, in this state, our nation, and in the world. And yes, Lord, I know we give offerings that support missionaries who are doing that, but let us not rely on what I gave financially, but what can I give of my own time, my own talent, 
How can I get my towel wet? How can I get dirty? How can I get on my hands the efforts of serving for you? Help each one of us, Lord, to consider how we're helping others in your name. If there's someone here today who perhaps is carrying a burden that they need to let go of and they want to come to these steps and pray, and I know there are prayer warriors who will join them and pray right beside them. Perhaps there's somebody here who's never asked Christ into their heart. Jesus says that this foot washing was basically a, a ceremonial thing that, that mimicked the cleansing that had already been done in their hearts. But he was quick to point out that Judas, one, had not had his heart clean. If there's someone here today, Lord, that has not confessed and placed their faith in you, let this be the day, Mother's Day, they would say, I remember the faith of my mother. I remember the lessons taught to me, and I want to come to you, Jesus, and follow you. Speak to us now. Let your people move, for I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.